you cool cats. Welcome back to Three Peas in a Pod. For those of you in the United States, we really hope you had a wonderful Memorial Day weekend and are starting to get outside more as the weather is finally starting to warm up and we're finally starting to see some few days of summer. Um, I know that a lot of states are lifting their stay-at-home order. Um, so I kind of wanted to know, what do you guys think about COVID and what's happening now and the stay-at-home orders being lifted and being able to see each other again? Um, so I'm definitely excited to actually eat like a meal in a restaurant at some point. I know, soon. I know. Um, I know not yet for us, maybe like next week or so. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely looking forward to that. But um, I think it's important to keep in mind that we should still all be like trying to keep six feet distance, wearing masks when we're in public, um, even if we do choose to go to restaurants or go to public venues. Um, I noticed like I went to a bakery the other day to pick something up and I noticed like some people weren't wearing masks. Somebody got into a fight, like one like elderly woman, um, like got into a fight with this, uh, these other group, um, this other group of women who weren't wearing masks and then like tried to complain to the owner of the bakery, but like he was just pretending to not know what's going on. (laughs) Anyways. Yeah. It seems like there's a lot of controversy regarding like wearing masks in um, stores some people feel like it's threatening their autonomy um, but we definitely think that people should be wearing masks in public if they're going to be in close close quarters with people right and I believe it's still a CDC recommendation right to yes wear masks Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, are you guys finding that there's a lot more traffic and people are, I feel like it's almost back to normal. It's really scary. I want to say like a week ago, <laughs> it became normal traffic. Like I was leaving the hospital at 630 in the morning and the, the streets were full. I know. Like, I was so, so shocked. surprised. I know because it, like we're in Michigan and places haven't even opened. So it's like, where's everyone going? That's all yeah, I can think of. Where are you going? Yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of people started going back to work because I realized my drive to work like yeah exponentially increased (laughs) last week um but I do think because Michigan's now I think like um today we just had the order that things are gonna be start opening back up so imagine what it's gonna be like after today but like how can the traffic go up to even like more like pre-covid because people just want to get out of the house they do exactly like get this I need to get it somewhere I do. I saw people, I mean, it was Memorial Day, like, weekend, but I everyone had, like, their boats attached to their cars, and they were dragging their boats and their jet skis. It was, like, it was as if it was just, like, one big summertime party, and there wasn't a pandemic. It was crazy. I mean, I went up north, and it was great, not gonna lie. <laughs> I know. I want to go. I want to go next month. I maintained my six feet, like, six-foot distance, but, like, just being outside, being with people. For sure. So great for the soul, I'm not gonna lie. No, you do have to. And and I do think like people have to start slowly emerging and kind of learning how to hang out while social distancing and all of that. Because obviously it's not realistic to just have the world shut down forever. Um, but I do want to say like when I when I have been out, I, I find do you guys find that you're more like almost like nervous? I felt I feel like I'm not used to being around a lot of people and I'm always nervous, like, oh my gosh, maybe you know, I should stay away or I, I'm trying to make sure I'm six feet away from people. And like, that was not how you used to be, right? Yeah, I, definitely. I I definitely feel more nervous. Like I definitely felt nervous with those women not wearing masks at that bakery. Right. Also like just um, recently 
um, with the protests going on, like I wanted to participate, but I felt scared participating, like knowing that there were, there was like such a large crowd of people who weren't social distancing, some people not wearing masks. I know. Um, I, I didn't think it would be the most safe, but a little bit anxiety provoking, that's all. Exactly. One thing I've noticed, I definitely think people, like, I don't know, at least, like, in my culture, everyone's really huggy, kissy, like, that kind of thing. So I think people are still like, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to touch. And I really, like, appreciate that. And people should definitely keep doing that. But kind of like you said, Brian, even when I go on my walks, like, no one is wearing a mask anymore. And so I definitely think the people who are at the protest and are giving out masks and hand sanitizers. Thank you for doing that. That's really important yeah. just to make sure everyone is staying safe. Yeah. Yeah. And I did see like, um, I did see someone post about this saying that like, if you were in a protest or participated, um, you should try to get yourself tested for COVID um, to see like, you know, if you're spreading the disease or if you need to stay at home um, after protesting. Um, maybe try to be responsible because um, we know that people definitely need to participate and like um, in protests and express their um, beliefs and thoughts, but at the same time, um, try to be as safe as you can. I was at a unit where I was with, I was in the newborn unit, so it was a lot of moms who were delivering who were COVID positive. Uh, and before that, I was in the ICU for a little bit. I had really good um, personal protective equipment the entire time, but obviously like you can never be too sure. So I was so sure I got it at some point and my body, um, even though I had no symptoms, I thought I would have developed immunity. So I went and I got my blood test last week and it turns out I don't have COVID antibodies. And the reason why we're so sad about that <laughs> uh, is because if I would have had antibodies, that means my body would have had the ability to fight if I was to ever get Corona again, unless exactly. it was to mutate. If it was to mutate, that all that is void. Yeah, like possibly. We don't know for sure, but um, yeah. so, there would be a chance. Yeah, so the whole entire goal is healthcare professional. Most of us, in theory, want to get it, not have some development. Exactly. <laughs> and it would, have, it would have also been comforting to know that you got it and you didn't really have right. to. Yeah. yeah, you know, because everyone is kind of scared that they're going to get get COVID and then be from this really sick on the really sick side, you know? So, um, I haven't gotten mine tested, but I'm hoping to. Yeah. We're going to get ours done soon. Yeah. Cause again, we've been exposed a ton, right? I mean, on nights and on calls. Yeah. So I've I've had zero symptoms this entire time. So I'm pretty sure mine will be negative. Like I had like one day of sore throat, but it turns out that was just from wearing the N95 mask all day. (laughs) But I'm pretty yeah I've been pretty I've been asymptomatic as well but but I've definitely had a lot of exposure I mean I was always wearing a mask but um yeah I think I saw a lot of COVID positive patients over the past month or two so speaking of COVID um there has been a lot of talk lately about breastfeeding and COVID positive mothers or COVID unknown mothers so we felt that this would be a good time to discuss the very very important topic of um breastfeeding There is so much controversy with this topic, and we truly hope that we are able to provide answers to some of your questions. Everyone has heard the phrase, breast is best, and while that statement is accurate, there are many nuances where that might not necessarily be the case. Feeding your baby is best, and getting your child nutrients, and also watching them grow. That would be the very best scenario. So we do understand that there is a lot of guilt 
um, surrounding the topic of breastfeeding and some mothers being unable to breastfeed, um, we in no way want mothers to feel inadequate or feel um, bad for not being able to breastfeed. There can be multiple reasons as to why um, a mom is unable to breastfeed. Barriers include um, like a difficult work schedule and competing demands for the mom, um, like having a lack of social support because a lot of times like you need um, to be in a strong support system to be able to go through the process of breastfeeding. Um, and also like if you've had a previous um, breast surgery like mastectomy, like that um, will serve as a barrier um, or just not even producing enough milk. So there actually are so many um, reasons, even just like um, sometimes like just being absent, like the absence of a mother um, from the child, like that obviously makes it so you can't breastfeed. So um, no mother should feel bad about not being able to. Um, the most important thing is, again, just making sure your baby's fed. To tackle this topic, we would like to introduce one of our all-time favorite attendees who is specially trained in lactation and is a mommy to some of the cutest kiddos around, Dr. Gada Harsuni. Hi, Dr. Harsuni. Welcome. We are beyond excited to have you today. Why don't you tell us and our listeners a little bit about yourself? Hi, thank you so much for having me. So I am a pediatrician at the Children's Hospital, Michigan and Detroit. I'm married and I have two boys under the age of four, and I love being an educator for the residency program. And we absolutely love having you as one of our educators. Thank you. Yes, thank you. <laughs> How have your experiences been with breastfeeding? We know you recently had a baby and you've also kind of been working as well. You have an older kid. How do you tackle all these things at once? So my experience with my firstborn was very difficult. Um, he did not latch really well. I ended up losing my supply, even with all the pumping and supplements I tried. Um, he ended up doing really well on formula. And then in the interim, with my second child, I learned a lot about breastfeeding. And I even became a breastfeeding counselor to help moms in Detroit um, breastfeed. And so with this better experience, um, I definitely did much better with my second son. And um, my experience with pumping has also been great thanks to the two new technology out there that's making our lives a lot easier um, for working moms. That is wonderful. It's really great to hear that you kind of had both good experiences and some trouble with breastfeeding because definitely is able to tackle a lot of our questions, a lot of questions that we get from mommies. It's nice that you were able to have experience with both like formula feeding a baby and also breastfeeding because um, you'll have more of a uh, like perspective on both. Um, so that's, that's good. I love having... I think it all happened for a reason um, because I'm able to give moms um, both sides of the story. Um, so I, I think, you know, I don't know if it meant to be that way that I had to struggle with the first one, but I feel like it has definitely helped me uh, become a better breastfeeding counselor because of that. Yeah, that's amazing. Okay, so we'll go ahead and start with some of our questions. So the very first question that we get from most of our moms, uh, whether they're just delivered or whether they're still pregnant, is a lot of them ask, should I breastfeed? So only a mom can make this decision for herself. No one should be able to tell any mom if she should breastfeed or not. If it feels right, if it's something you think you can handle, if it feels like you have a lot of passion for it, then I highly recommend it. 
Um, but if it makes life really hard for you, if it's something you simply do not want to do because um, you just don't feel any connection with it, then I'd rather a mom be happier because I want the baby to have a happier mom and I want, I want the mom to focus on being happy and doing what's right for her. Um, so there are a lot of benefits which we'll be talking about today, but I also want to tell moms out there that only she should be making the decision if she wants to breastfeed. That's a really great point. So what are some of the benefits to breastfeeding for baby specifically? So for the baby, there are a lot of benefits. We do see a decreased risk in ear infections, upper respiratory infections, urinary tract infections, asthma, obesity, um, diabetes. And the asthma, obesity, and diabetes are things that we see like in the when the when the children are older. We also see a decrease in childhood leukemias and inflammatory inflammatory bowel disease. And also very importantly, we do see a decrease in sudden infant death syndrome. And that's um, something that we worry about in the first year for a baby's life. And with breastfeeding babies, we do tend to see less cases um, with breastfed babies versus formula-fed babies with SIDS. I didn't know about the leukemias. That's really interesting. Um, I also didn't know about the urinary tract infections. I don't know if you guys did, but um, that's super interesting. Uh, yeah, and, and a lot of it has to do with antibodies, um, also immune system just being a lot stronger um, because of the antibodies that are transmitted to the baby from mom. So it seems like there are significant reasons to breastfeed, just um, big benefits for the baby. Are there any benefits for the breastfeeding mom? Yeah, there are a lot of benefits for mom as well. Um, for moms that are, had just given birth, um, there is a decreased risk of postpartum hemorrhage. There's a decreased risk of postpartum depression. And also bonding and stress reduction is also there, um, as well as it can also help with weight loss, which can be a plus for a lot of us. Um, and then long-term benefits for mom, it can decrease the risk in breast and ovarian cancer, diabetes, hypertension. Um, and also, just remember, it's also an economic advantage of not having to buy formula. <laughs> right? It's free. <laughs> Definitely. It's free food. Big. That's a big plus. Yeah. That's a really good point. I don't think I ever thought of before. <laughs> so, it's expensive. Like, having to buy all those cans it adds up, um, especially over the course of months. So, um, definitely an economic advantage. Yeah. Especially when the child gets older and starts to eat larger volumes, you can end up buying a can every three or four days. And oh, each can oh, oh. can vary between 15 to $30. And if the baby needs a different kind of formula, um, like Nutramagen or something else, those are $40 above and above per can. So it can be pretty pricey. That's super expensive. Yeah, I don't think I realize that that is very expensive. It definitely adds up very quickly. So I know whenever, I mean, I would assume that whenever a mom is born, a lot of moms feel like they should already know how to breastfeed and what to do. How can we let moms know if they're actually doing it correctly? And what are some signs they should look for when nursing if they are having a good latch and baby's getting enough milk? 
So a really important sign is it has to be pain-free. Um, if you feel any pain, then that might not be a great sign and you might have to readjust your latch. There should be gentle sucking um, and you should be hearing the baby gulp, you know, swallowing. Also, babies usually have their hands very clenched um, when they're really hungry and then they start to feel full and they start to relax their hands. They look more relaxed in general. So that's a sign um, like that that babies are still hungry if they're if they're hands are still clenched and they still look very angry. I love the clenched hand sign because it reminds me of myself when I'm hangry. So I totally get it. <laughs> That's a good one. And what are some signs? I know you talked a little bit about it. What are some signs of incorrect nursing besides being painful or not noticing those other things? So incorrect, incorrect signs. So if there is a lot of pain when the baby is latching, um, that's pain, you know, nipple pain for mom, that's a sign that it's not correct. Um, if the baby's spending really long intervals at the breast or they're falling asleep very quickly, um, that can be a sign that your milk flow is slow or your supply is really low. So that's something that should definitely be assessed. Um, so for example, with my firstborn, he spent hours on my breast, um, just falling asleep or just, you know, suckling without much gulping or swallowing. Um, so that's how I knew that there was something wrong. And when I did give him formula, he really perked up and he began, began gulping like he was really hungry. And that's when I knew that my baby definitely was not getting enough breast milk. And I definitely did have to supplement with formula. So Dr. Hersuni, um, what about in terms of positioning baby? Is there like a, a one size fits all sort of position or um, how do you think parents should or moms should approach this? Yeah, so I do have a lot to say about positioning the baby correctly in order to en enhance the latch and make sure that you have a really good latch. So you want to start off by supporting your baby's shoulder at the base of the neck and gently move the baby towards your breast. Try not to move your breast towards the baby or touch the baby's head and kind of smash it into your breast. Those are signs that you're not really going to have a great latch. So just gently kind of support the base of his neck. And then the nose of the baby should be opposite to your nipple. And the baby should tilt the head back and mouth should gape open. The lower lip and the chin should reach the breast first. And um, all of those can enhance how you get a proper latch. Also, the latch should be pain-free. So if there is a sign that there's pain, you can gently squeeze the cheek and then get the baby to unlatch. And you should hear like a sound that the latch has been broken. And that's a safe way to, to, to do that instead of like poking your finger inside the baby's mouth. Um, so just squeeze, kind of like stretch his cheek back and you'll see the latch gets undone. And then um, when the baby is latched, you should start hearing um, some suckles. So he starts off with suckling and then he gulps. So when he begins this, he's trying to, to, in, to start to get your letdown to happen. Um, so you might hear about six or eight sucks and then a gulp. 
but when your milk finally lets down, you should start hearing one suck, one swallow, one suck, one swallow, one suck, one swallow. And when you hear those swallows, those are good signs that your baby is actually getting milk. And just remember that this pattern can change throughout the session because the babies can take a break when they get too tired. And that doesn't mean they're not, that they're finished. So give them some time. They might continue to suck afterwards. Okay. Does it matter if um, baby is like in your arms or you're laying down or I know I've seen some like football hold positions. Um, do any of those, do all of those work equally or is there a better one? Sometimes one might work better for mom if she, you know, if she has like larger breasts and the football position is just more comfortable for her, um, then she should try that. Um, and then there's, you know, the, the, the cradle hold, which is the most common position that you guys see. Um, but it's important to have the baby tummy to tummy. So baby's tummy to mom's tummy and baby's chest to, to mom's chest, because that kind of angle can help the way that the baby sucks and swallows. If the baby's kind of tilted in an awkward position, it could really affect the way he swallows or, or even sucks. So just important to get a really nice um, positioning at the beginning. So one question I get from new moms that are having some difficulty or trouble with breastfeeding is they'll ask me how long should they go just trying to breastfeed before they're able to supplement or should start supplementing with formula. So your milk generally comes in between day three to five and the first few days are going to be days of colostrum where your supply is low. So if you want to wait a few days, but also make sure your baby's making good urine output and stool output, um, then, it's, then it's okay to wait those few days um, before you jump to formula. But if your baby also is very angry and, and inconsolable, um, you definitely don't want to miss giving your baby food um, during those days. So it's, it's a very delicate um, time. If you want to try to supplement the first few days, you can also pump during the times you supplement so that your breast milk gets the signals it needs to continue to be made. Wonderful. Those are some great ideas. So what about the common question that we get a lot of times from moms um, in terms of how often they should be breastfeeding? So we really don't tell a mom to feed every three to four hours like we do with formula. Breastfeeding is actually on demand, on the baby's demand. So if the baby is crying and seems like the baby, you know, is not happy, definitely put the baby to the breast um, because sometimes babies just feed, um, just suckle and not really swallow milk. They're just using the breast as comfort. So they may not be getting a sufficient amount of feed during that time. So if your baby seems hungry after 30 minutes or one hour, then put the baby at the breast. So really, it's baby will, will drive how often to feed. So you're saying um, when the baby seems hungry, how can you tell if um, the baby's hungry or if the baby is getting enough milk? So if the baby is crying, we always say just try to put the baby on, on the breast. And if baby is hungry, the baby will, will definitely, you know, start eating. Um, and there's no, there's no um, way you can actually overfeed in breastfeeding. It's very difficult to overfeed in breastfeeding. Whereas formula, it's very easy to overfeed because babies accept bottles very easily um, because there's really no energy that they need to input 
from a bottle. It's really a nipple put in their mouth from the bottle, and with gravity, the milk is easy flowing into their mouth. With breast milk, they actually have to input more energy to actually get the milk, so it's really hard for them to get overfed. That's super interesting. I didn't know that. I didn't know it was like a self-regulating system. Yeah, babies are really smart. I think they also say that if you are, if you do breastfeed, your baby's better able to self-regulate how much they eat in the future as well. That's true. And with the decrease in obesity and diabetes risk there, I think that has a lot to do with self-control in the beginning. So I know we mentioned before colostrum. What exactly is colostrum? So colostrum is the, the milk that's produced in the very first few days. It's really rich in proteins and antibodies. Um, and you'll notice that it's more yellow in color than um, when your milk um, starts about day three to five. Um, so you'll notice the color of colostrum is more rich in, in the yellow color. And also, like, something really cool about colostrum is babies just need a small quantity to survive. And if you keep in mind their belly is the size of an almond when they're first born, then that's really all they need the first two or three days of life. And um, colostrum will be self-fulfilling for their nutrient needs. That's really great um, to know. Another common question we get from moms is um, sometimes they feel like their breasts are very engorged and they're in a lot of pain. So if that does happen to someone, what should they do? So sometimes to keep in mind is it's really, it's actually pretty normal to have engorgement and pain the first few days because your breast tissue is changing. Um, so it's, it's normal for the pain to occur because it's something that is changing in your breast um, anatomy. Um, so it does take a little bit of time to get adjusted. So warm packs before feed can definitely help um, with pain, but also can help get the milk flowing. You can take a warm shower, gently massage your breast before feed. Um, so that could help. And the most important thing is frequent and effective feeding that really helps with the management of engorgement. And then after a feed, you can try a cold pack if you still have pain. And also know that you can wear a very supportive bra um, to help with the comfort, especially for those with heavy breasts. I do have a question um, to add in terms of the frequency of feeding. So should parents be feeding um, at night? I know this is also a question that we get a lot in clinic. Definitely. So at night feedings is actually pretty common in the neonate term, term period. Um, so babies in general, and I want to say in terms of my, in my own experience, my baby fed anywhere between one hour to every two hours. And even when he turned about six months, he was still feeding every two to three hours. And that has a lot to do with um, a breast capacity, how much milk a mom can carry in her breast. So smaller breasts um, versus larger breasts, or actually it's not so much the size of the breast, it's the size of the, the ducts. So you can have more ducts in small breasts, and you can have less ducts in bigger breasts. So it's really your, your capacity of how much milk you can store in your breast. And a good indicator is if you pump your breast, how much do you get out per pump. So if you get only about two ounces per pump, your baby could be pretty hungry every two hours. If you get about four ounces per pump per breast, 
maybe your baby is good for three to four hours. So it really depends on how much storage capacity your breast has. So that's why it's really important not to tell a mom how much she should be feeding and how often she, she should be feeding because it really is tailored differently between moms. I had no idea that's kind of based on your duck size, not necessarily the size of your breast, which is very interesting. It does make a lot of intuitive sense. Right. Yeah. It's all about how many, how many, um, how much capacity your breast can carry based on how many ducks you have, how many uh, milk ducks you carry. Yeah, definitely. So speaking about mom, how about mom's diet? How does that affect her breast milk? So it's really important to maintain a really healthy diet for yourself. Um, drink enough water, eat enough, eat enough food for yourself. Um, it's been known that if you add additional calories to how much you really need per day, or if you add additional fluid, um, it really does not help make more milk. So the important thing to know is just take the amount you need. Um, for calories, it's been determined that you might need only an additional 500 calories above your usual um, to maintain a great diet during lactation. And for fluids, I always say just, just drink to satisfy your thirst. Don't drink gallons and gallons of water a day. It really does not help you make more milk. Um, in fact, it could be dangerous um, for you um, if you just drink so much, so much water. Um, and if you don't empty out the water, you can definitely change electrolytes in your body, and that's not, that's not a healthy thing for yourself. So um, also I wanted to note that if you don't eat sufficient calories, you can end up with fatigue and you can decrease your supply if you don't eat enough calories. So the point to take away is eat the dietary reference intake for yourself, the appropriate amount, and drink amount of fluids that are satisfying your thirst. I love the way you put that. It's very individualized. And I feel like most people nowadays are more so I need to drink this much or eat this much. So it's really important to listen to your own body. Are there any foods mom should avoid when breastfeeding? I can't think of much foods mom should avoid. Um, just it's important to have a really wholesome diet, um, including proteins and fats, um, just to just to not overdo it on on carbs, but try try to keep it very wholesome. What about if mom is a vegetarian or vegan? How will that affect her breast milk? So so vegans, um, vegetarians, they're at risk for B12 deficiency. And that's important to know because your baby can also get B12 deficiency as well. So I highly recommend vegetarians and vegans to take a B12 supplement when they are, when they are breastfeeding. That's a really important point. Um, so what about in terms of allergies? That's a big topic right now. Um, can it, is it possible for a baby to actually be allergic to breast milk? It is. It is possible for a baby to be allergic to breast milk. It's something called a milk protein allergy. And usually the signs are if you see blood and mucus in the baby's diaper. So if you do see this, you have to discuss this with your pediatrician right away, uh, because if you still want to breastfeed, you can eliminate dairy in your diet. And that can actually make a big difference. And you can continue breastfeeding um, if, the, of course, the pediatrician monitors and tells you that it's safe to continue to do so. Great point. So for how long should mothers breastfeed? Ultimately, I always say it's really up to mom. You know, anyone can make recommendations. Any big organizations can make recommendations. But ultimately, it's in mom's hands. 
you know, if breastfeeding is making her miserable, she does not want it, like I said, it's important to have a happy mom for a baby. Happy mom, happy baby. So don't push yourself because of the recommendations out there. I will say that the AAP recommends to exclusively breastfeed until six months, and then they can breastfeed and give foods up to a year. Um, and then afterwards, you can continue as much as you feel comfortable. That's good to know. Like There aren't like um, very strict, hard guidelines. It's just that it's recommended up to six months. And then after that, um, uh, it's kind of dependent on the mother. Well, my personal recommendation is for the mother. <laughs> the yeah. organizations say up to a year. But um, like I said, um, personally, I think that a mom should make her decision. I agree. I agree. A lot of times, like, we as um, physicians forget to take into account um, mother's well-being. So it's good to point out. And there's also many different reasons why you might choose to stop breastfeeding at a certain point, whether it has to do with support or what you're doing with your career and other aspects of life that a lot of times we as pediatricians don't know about. So Exactly. Yeah. So we've also heard, most of it's probably a myth to a certain extent, but some people say that breastfeeding can act as birth control. Is that true? Very not true. <laughs> Be careful, ladies. <laughs> so there are a lot of people that still get pregnant while breastfeeding. So please use your go-to barriers and other alternatives to prevent pregnancy if you wish to. So um, let's say you finally got in the hang of breastfeeding and you've been breastfeeding for a um, couple months now, and then your baby starts to develop teeth. So what is the recommendation in terms of breast- breastfeeding when your baby has teeth? So I'm sure you ladies heard the song Baby Shark on YouTube. <laughs> I, think, I think the reason why they made that song is because it really is true. Your baby does really seem like a shark when they develop those teeth. Um, so, you know, there's, there's different ways. Like with my baby, when he bit, um, I did, you know, kind of gently tell him no don't do so because I, I know that if you um, react really strongly um, it can make the baby kind of upset and have aversion towards breastfeeding so you can actually mess up the breastfeeding bond um, so you have to be careful how you respond um, but in time I mean babies should adjust although I know there are some cases where the babies just continue to bite and I know that there are moms out there that just have chosen to exclusively pump, you know, if, if it, it's really a difficult thing to deal with. Uh, so that's something that's an option out there, too, that if it's really painful and it gets too common and just doesn't stop, you can choose to exclusively pump. That's some great advice for sure. So how should mothers breastfeed or make sure that they have milk um, after they return to work? Yeah, this is a very common question, and I always recommend moms to have enough milk for at least one day, one full work day, so that the first day they go to work, they have enough milk for that day. Um, so I'm sure you guys have seen a lot of pictures on like breast milk stashes, freezer, yes. you know, a freezer filled with all of these, you know, breast milk. You really do not do need that if you go back to work. Take it 
I'll give myself as an example. I never had a freezer stash. I just had enough milk for my baby for one or two days. Um, and if you know, I, I work part-time, so I had enough milk, you know, for the first day. And then the day that I used to go to work, which was Tuesdays, I would pump on that day for Wednesday. And then on Wednesday, I would pump on that day for Thursday. And then Friday, I would resume to breastfeeding, and then Sundays or whatever I can save during those days that I was off, I'll save enough milk for that Tuesday. If I didn't save enough milk, I'll just give in a few formula bottles for my daycare and just give that for the you know day I return, and then just try to pump during the day that I am back at work for the subsequent day. I was just going to say, I love how you mentioned that you would give your child some formula because I feel like a lot of moms look at formula as like, absolutely not, not under any circumstance. <laughs> right. I always say, said is bad. Don't pressure yourself to always do formula. The best thing is that your baby is getting some breast milk. Mm-hmm. It, it's also important to note that um, in order to have all those benefits that I talked about, your baby really needs about four ounces a day for those benefits to be true. So there's, I want to relieve some of that pressure where moms think they have to breastfeed every single ounce. Um, you know, you can give yourself some slack if you cannot make that enough ounces. And a lot of moms that I know do half and half or more formula and some breast milk, and that's totally fine. If it works, it works. Oh, wow. Just four ounces? That's really good to know. Just four ounces. Yeah. Four ounces is certainly enough to, to, for those benefits to come into play. That's good to know. So um, we mentioned breast pumps a lot. So what is a breast pump and how does it work? Um, what advice do you have for moms who want to purchase one and how do they use it? So I do want to start off by saying most of your health insurances should cover for a breast pump. A lot of people don't know that but please make sure to check in um, with your health insurance. Um, so breast pumps are a means to, to help you pump out some milk um, for your baby. If you choose not to breastfeed or if you need to take a break and let someone at night feed your baby. And there are various other reasons why moms want to pump out milk. Um, so it, there are different forms of breast pumps. There are portable pumps. Um, there are cordless pumps electrical pumps, and there's manual pumps. Um, So the most common pumps are electrical pumps where you plug it into the electricity outlet and you have the flanges that go to your breast and suck out milk. Um, And then you can store the milk in the bottles and put them in bags or whatever you choose to do afterwards. Um, There are nowadays a lot of cordless hand-free pumps that are amazing. Um, So that includes something called like LV pump or um, the other kind, Baby Buddha. There's so many different kinds out there. But basically with these pumps, you just place them in your bra and you're able to walk around and do whatever activity you choose to do and not be constrained to a wall the entire time. So that's something that's been a life changer for me. Because with my firstborn, I was literally sitting next to a wall and I felt like a cow just pumping and pumping and pumping, you know, and normally it takes about 30 minutes for me to finish, you know, completely empty. Um, but then when I discovered the cordless pumps where I just placed them in my bra, 
it was a life changer. I mean, I felt amazing. I felt um, like, and I think that's why my breastfeeding journey continued longer than my expectations um, because of these pumps that just made me feel normal. So there are so many amazing pumps out there nowadays. That's so good to know, especially the thing about the insurance. I think most people don't know that. So I think we mentioned a little bit about storing breast milk. How should moms do that? So in general, when you have breast milk and it's out from the breast to a bottle, you can keep that in room temperature. Um, depending on how warm the temperature, the room temperature is, um, you can keep it for you know, a certain amount of hours. So for example, if your temperature is like anywhere between 60 to 70 degrees, it can be kept there for about eight hours. If your temperature is a little warmer, like 80 degrees, it, it, you shouldn't leave it out for too long, maybe like less than four hours. Um, you can leave it in the fridge for about up to eight days. And in the freezer, it can be left up to six months, up to even a full year, depending on if it's a deep freezer. So, and, and there are a lot of charts online um, to guide you on exactly what the temperatures are and how long you can, you can store them up to. That's good to know. So one question that we get very often from parents um, is, are moms allowed to drink alcohol while breastfeeding? Yes, moms are allowed, and you can indulge in that because there are days when you're going to need it. <laughs> so it's okay to have a glass of wine or so. It's totally safe. Um, sometimes it's recommended to um, just, feed the baby and then have it afterwards, but you do not have to pump and dump if you have a glass of wine or so. That's good to know. And I think one mom asked us before, um, is there like a, how soon after giving birth are you allowed to um, uh, drink alcohol while breastfeeding? Um, I believe there is no yeah, restriction yeah. on time period. Yeah, right away. Yeah, she can drink something right away. And what about smoking cigarettes or marijuana? Are there any restrictions um, on that regarding breastfeeding? I did want to mention that you need to keep in mind that cigarettes increases the risk of SIDS. So we really don't recommend smoking cigarettes, especially near the baby. And nicotine can actually be um, transmitted in the breast milk. So I, I don't recommend it. I mean, I know moms might still do it. It's not a huge contraindication, but I just don't recommend it. That makes sense. Um, we definitely never recommend smoking cigarettes, but um, I know sometimes moms out there do. So, so marijuana, it's actually also, um, it's, it's not a big contraindication either. So they can um, if, they, if they need to. So when should a mother definitely not breastfeed? So there aren't that many contraindications to breastfeeding. Um, the most um, important ones is that the baby has something called galactosemia. Um, so definitely um, breastfeeding and other milk is not recommended for the baby. Um, and then moms who have active tuberculosis or have HIV are, are, are not um, supposed to breastfeed. But those are the only contraindications actually for breastfeeding. So what about um, the big one right now that's weighing heavily on everyone, um, COVID? So what if mom is COVID um, positive? Can she breastfeed? So as of now, COVID is a little different because we don't know everything about COVID. Um, there's still so many new things being discovered. But what we have studied so far 
is that it is not a contraindication and mom can safely breastfeed if mom has any symptoms of COVID, any fever or cough or anything else that's a suspicion, uh, she should wear a mask in front of the baby, wash hands very frequently, wear gloves if, if she has it. If not, wearing washing the hands should be enough, um, but she can still breastfeed. It's not a contraindication. So one of the last questions I think we want to cover is, when should moms try and wean babies off breast milk and how should they do it? So if mom feels like it's about time to cut the cord and get her breasts back, um, <laughs> then then um, the best way to do it, um, and I'll talk about how I did it with my second, is just kind of decrease the interval of breastfeeding and try to feed you know more food during that time. It's of age um, that the baby can have food. So um, if you feed more food or if you supplement more with formula, your body tells your brain to sort of stop making breast milk. So over time, your supply will decrease more and more the more that the baby gets fed and the more that the baby does not suckle at the breast. So the signals will, will, um, will diminish with time and time. It's just important to make sure, you know, you're not developing signs of mastitis, which is the infection in the breast. Um, so if you have any severe pain, if any fevers, um, any you know tenderness when you're touching your breast or you see redness at the breast, those are signs that you're getting an infection. So you have to be careful. But if you're feeling pretty comfortable and your breasts just don't feel as hard as usual when you feel you know the milk coming in, um, through time you'll just continue to make less and less and less, um, and then you will appropriately wean. Wonderful. Well, I think that covers most of our questions. Was there anything else you wanted to add in, Dr. Harsuni? No, uh, I, um, I hope I answered a lot of questions for the moms out there. And for you ladies, thank you for doing this. I think this is a very important topic, um, but I also want people to know that, that you know, being fed is best. Um, so whether they have to do, you know, formula, that's not, you know, something bad for the baby. That's my take-home message. Which is a really important one. Yeah, that's really good to know. And it's nice for moms to hear. Um, because we have all types of mothers with, um, who have different circumstances. So um, it's important for them to be encouraged too. Well, thank you, Dr. Harsini. Thank you for No problem. Thank you so much for having me. It was, it was fun. Yay. <laughs> That's all for today, folks. Stay in the know on the go with three peas in a pod.